Hello, and welcome to All Things Plantagenet. My name is Donnie Hazel, and I am your host. To all of my original listeners, welcome back. To those new to the show, welcome. I am a storytelling historian with a great love for the Plantagenet dynasty, as I am a direct descendant to Geoffrey of Anjou via my paternal line on my grandmother Carter's side. I descend through Diana Skipwith, daughter of Sir Henry Skipwith and Amy Kemp. Diana married Captain Thomas Carter. They immigrated to the Americas in 1650s, settling in Barford in Lancaster County, Virginia. So with that said, please like and download the show as it helps other listeners learn about the show. If you wish to support this podcast, there is a link for you to do so, and it would be much appreciated as it would help with costs of maintaining the website www.allthingsplantagenet.com where you can find the podcast as well as extra items for each episode you can read or download. You can also find great books and videos for sale as well. Feel free to also visit our Facebook page. A link is provided as well on the website. Okay, on to the episode. Act 4 of The Life and Death of King John by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act 4, Scene 1. A Room in a Castle. Enter Hubert and Executioners. Heat me these irons hot, and look thou stand within the arras. When I strike my foot upon the bosom of the ground, rush forth, and bind the boy which you shall find with me fast to the chair. Be heedful, hence, and watch. I hope your warrant will bear out the deed. Uncleanly scruples. Fear not you, look to it. Exeunt, executioners. Young lad, come forth. I have to say with you. Enter, Arthur. Good morrow, Hubert. Good morrow, little prince. As little prince, having so great a title to be more prince, as may be, you are sad. Indeed, I have been merrier. Mercy on me. Methinks nobody should be sad but I. Yet I remember when I was in France, young gentlemen would be as sad as night, only for wantonness. By my Christendom, so I were out of prison and kept sheep, I should be as merry as the day is long. And so I would be here, but that I doubt. My uncle practices more harm to me. He is afraid of me, and I of him. Is it my fault that I was Geoffrey's son? No, indeed it's not, and I would to heaven I were your son, so you would love me, Hubert. Aside, if I talk to him with his innocent prate, he will awake my mercy which lies dead. Therefore I will be sudden and dispatch. Are you sick, Hubert? You look pale today. In sooth, I would you were a little sick, that I might sit all night and watch with you. I warrant I love you more than you do me. Aside, his words do take possession of my bosom. Read here, young Arthur. Showing a paper. Aside, how now, foolish room, turning dispiteous torture out of door, I must be brief, lest resolution drop out at mine eyes in tender womanish tears. Can you not read it? Is it not fair writ? Too fairly, Hubert, for so foul effect. Must you with hot irons burn out both mine eyes? Young boy, 
I must. And will you? And I will. Have you the heart? When your head did but ache, I knit my handkerchief about your brows, the best I had. A princess routed me, and I did never ask it you again. And with my hand at midnight held your head, and like the watchful minutes to the hour, still and anon cheered up the heavy time, saying, What lack you, and where lies your grief, or what good love may I perform for you? Many a poor man's son would have lain still, and never has spoke a loving word to you, but you at your sick service had a prince. Nay, you may think my love was crafty love, and call it cunning. Do, and if you will. If heaven be pleased that you must use me ill, why, then you must. Will you put out mine eyes, these eyes that never did nor never shall so much as frown on you? I have sworn to do it, and with hot irons must I burn them out. Ah, none but in this iron age would do it. The iron of itself, though heat red hot, approaching near these eyes, would drink my tears and quench his fiery indignation, even in the matter of mine innocence. Nay, after that, consume away in rust, but for containing fire to harm mine eye. Are you more stubborn hard than hammered iron? And if an angel should have come to me and told me Hubert should put out mine eyes, I would not have believed him. No tongue but Hubert's. Come forth. Stamps. Re-enter executioners with a cord, irons, etc. Do as I bid you do. Oh, save me, Hubert, save me. My eyes are out even with the fierce looks of these bloody men. Give me the iron, I say, and bind him here. Alas, what need you be so boisterous rough? I will not struggle. I will stand stone still. For heaven's sake, Hubert, let me not be bound. Nay, hear me, Hubert. Drive these men away, and I will sit as quiet as a lamb. I will not stir, nor wince, nor speak a word, nor look upon the iron angrily. Thrust but these men away, and I'll forgive you whatever torment you do put me to. Go, stand within. Let me alone with him. I'm best pleased to be from such a deed. Exeunt Executioners Alas, I then have chid away my friend. He hath a stern look, but a gentle heart. Let him come back, that his compassion may give life to yours. Come, boy, prepare yourself. Is there no remedy? None but to lose your eyes. Oh, heaven, that there were but a moat in yours, a grain, a dust, a gnat, a wandering hair, any annoyance in that precious sense. Then, feeling what small things are boisterous there, your vile intent must needs seem horrible. Is this your promise? Go to, hold your tongue. Hubert, the utterance of a brace of tongues must needs want pleading for a pair of eyes. Let me not hold my tongue, let me not, Hubert. Or, Hubert, if you will, cut out my tongue, so I may keep mine eyes. Oh, spare mine eyes, though to no use, but still to look on you. Lo, by my truth, the instrument is cold, and would not harm me. I can heat it, boy. No, in good sooth, the fire is dead with grief. Being create for comfort to be used in undeserved extremes, see else yourself. There is no malice in this burning coal. The breath of heaven has blown his spirit out and strode repentant ashes on his head. But with my breath I can revive it, boy. And if you do, you will but make it blush and glow with shame of your proceedings, Hubert. Nay, it perchance will sparkle in your eyes. 
and like a dog that is compelled to fight, snatch at his master that doth tear him on. All things that you should use to do me wrong deny their office. Only you do lack that mercy, which fierce fire and iron extends, creatures of note for mercy-lacking uses. Well, see to live. I will not touch thine eye for all the treasure that thine uncle owes. Yet am I sworn, and I did purpose, boy, with this same very iron, to burn them out. Oh, now you look like Hubert. All this while you were disguised. Peace, no more adieu. Your uncle must not know, but you are dead. I'll fill these dogged spies with false reports, and, pretty child, sleep doubtless and secure, that Hubert, for the wealth of all the world, will not offend thee. Oh, heaven, I thank you, Hubert. Silence, no more, go closely in with me. Much danger do I undergo for thee. Exeunt. Scene 2. King John's Palace. Enter King John, Pembroke, Salisbury, and other lords. Here once again we sit, once again crowned, and looked upon, I hope, with cheerful eyes. This once again, but that your highness pleased, was once superfluous. You were crowned before, and that high royalty was ne'er plucked off. The faiths of men ne'er stained with revolt. Fresh expectation troubled not the land with any longed-for change or better state. Therefore, to be possessed with double pomp, to guard a title that was rich before, to gild refined gold, to paint the lily, to throw a perfume on the violet, to smooth the ice, or add another hue unto the rainbow, or with taper light, to seek the beauteous eye of heaven to garnish, is wasteful and ridiculous success. But that your royal pleasure must be done. This act is as an ancient tale new told, and in the last repeating troublesome, being urged at a time unseasonable. In this the antique and well-noted face of plain old form is much disfigured, and like a shifted wind unto a sail, it makes the course of thoughts to fetch a boot, startles and frights consideration, makes sound opinion sick and truth suspected for putting on so new a fashioned robe. When workmen strive to do better than well, they do confound their skill in covetousness, and oftentimes excusing of a fault doth make the fault the worse by the excuse. As patches set upon a little breach, discredit more in hiding of the fault than did the fault before it was so patched. To this effect, before you were new crowned, we breathed our counsel, but it pleased your highness to overbear it, and we are all well pleased, since all and every part of what we would doth make a stand at what your highness will. Some reasons of this double coronation I have possessed you with, and think them strong, and more, more strong than lesser is my fear I shall endue you with. Meantime but ask what you would have reformed that is not well, and well shall you perceive how willingly I will both hear and grant you your requests. Then I, as one that am the tongue of these, to sound the purpose of all their hearts, both for myself and them, but, chief of all, your safety, for the which myself and them bend their best studies, heartily request the enfranchisement of Arthur, whose restraint doth move the murmuring lips of discontent to break into this dangerous argument. If what in rest you have in right you hold, why then your fears, which, as they say, attend the steps of wrong? 
should move you to mew up your tender kinsman and to choke his days with barbarous ignorance and deny his youth the rich advantage of good exercise that the time's enemies may not have this to grace occasions let it be our suit that you have bid us ask his liberty which for our goods we do no further ask than whereupon our wheel on your depending counts it your wheel he have his liberty enter hubert let it be so i do commit his youth to your discretion hubert what news with you taking him apart this is the man should do the bloody deed he showed his warrant to a friend of mine the image of a wicked heinous fault lives in his eye that close aspect of his does show the mood of a much troubled breast and i do fearfully believe tis done what we so feared he had a charge to do the colour of the king doth come and go between his purpose and his conscience like heralds twixt two dreadful battles set his passion is so ripe it needs must break and when it breaks i fear will issue thence the foul corruption of a sweet child's death we cannot hold mortality's strong hand good lords although my will to give is living the suit which you demand is gone and dead he tells us arthur is deceased to-night indeed we feared his sickness was past cure indeed we heard how near his death he was before the child himself felt he was sick this must be answered either here or hence. Why do you bend such solemn brows on me? Think you I bear the shears of destiny? Have I commandment on the pulse of life? It is apparent foul play, and tis shame that greatness should so grossly offer it. So thrive it in your game, and so farewell. Stay yet, Lord Salisbury, I'll go with thee and find the inheritance of this poor child his little kingdom of a forced grave that blood which owed the breadth of all this isle three foot of it doth hold bad word the while this must not be thus born this will break out to all our sorrows and ere long i doubt exeunt lords they burn in indignation i repent there is no sure foundation set on blood no certain life achieved by others death Enter a messenger. A fearful eye thou hast. Where is that blood that I have seen inhabit in those cheeks? So foul a sky clears not without a storm. Pour down thy weather. How goes all in France? From France to England, never such a power of any foreign preparation was levied in the body of a land. The copy of your speed is learned by them, for when you should be told, they do prepare. The tidings come that they are all arrived. Oh, where hath our intelligence been drunk? Where hath it slept? Where is my mother's care that such an army could be drawn in France and she not hear of it? My liege, her ear is stopped with dust. The first of April died your noble mother. And, as I hear, my lord, the Lady Constance in a frenzy died three days before. But this from rumour's tongue I idly heard. If true or false, I know not. Withhold thy speed, dreadful occasion. Oh, make a league with me till I have pleased my discontented peers. What? Mother dead? How wildly then walks my estate in France? Under whose conduct came those powers of France that thou for truth givest out are landed here? Under the Dauphin. Thou hast made me giddy with these tidings. Enter the bastard and Peter of Pomfret. Now, what says the world to your proceedings? Do not seek to stuff my head with more ill news, for it is full. 
But if you be afeard to hear the worst, then let the worst unheard fall on your head. Bear with me, cousin, for I was amazed under the tide, but now I breathe again. Aloft the flood, and can give audience to any tongue, speak it of what it will. How I have sped among the clergymen, the sums I have collected shall express. But as I travelled hither through the land, I find the people strangely fantasied, possessed with rumours, full of idle dreams, not knowing what they fear, but full of fear. And here a prophet that I brought with me from forth the streets of Pomfret, whom I found with many hundreds treading on his heels, to whom he sung, in rude, harsh-sounding rhymes, that ere the next ascension day at noon your highness should deliver up your crown. Thou idle dreamer! Wherefore didst thou so? <laughs> For knowing that the truth will fall out so. Hubert, away with him! Imprison him, and on that day at noon, whereon he says I shall yield up my crown, let him be hanged. Deliver him to safety, and return, for I must use thee. Exeunt Hubert with Peter. Oh, my gentle cousin, hast thou the news abroad, who are arrived? The French, my lord, men's mouths are full of it. Besides, I met Lord Bigot and Lord Salisbury with eyes as red as new enkindled fire, and others more going to seek the grave of Arthur who they say is killed to-night on your suggestion. Gentle kinsmen, go, and thrust thyself into their companies. I have a way to win their loves again. Bring them before me. I will seek them out. Nay, but make haste. The better foot before. Oh, let me have no subject enemies, when adverse foreigners affright my towns with dreadful pomp of stout invasion. Be Mercury, set feathers to thy heels, and fly like thought from them to me again. The spirit of the time shall teach me speed. Exit. Spoke like a sprightful noble gentleman. Go after him, for he perhaps shall need some messenger betwixt me and the peers, and be thou he. With all my heart, my liege. Exit. My mother dead. Re-enter Hubert. My lord, they say five moons were seen to-night, four fixed, and the fifth did whirl about the other four in wondrous motion. Five moons. Old men and beldams in the streets do prophesy upon it dangerously. Young Arthur's death is common in their mouths, and when they talk of him they shake their heads and whisper one another in the ear. And he that speaks doth gripe the hearer's wrist, whilst he that hears makes fearful action with wrinkled brows, with nods, with rolling eyes. I saw a smith stand with his hammer thus, the whilst his iron did on the anvil cool, with open mouth swallowing a tailor's news, who, with his shears and measure in his hand, standing on slippers which his nimble haste had falsely thrust upon contrary feet, told of a many thousand warlike French that were embertailed and ranked in Kent, another lean unwashed artificer cuts off his tail and talks of Arthur's death. Why seekst thou to possess me with these fears? Why urgest thou so oft young Arthur's death? Thy hand hath murdered him. I had a mighty cause to wish him dead, but thou hadst none to kill him. No had, my lord? Why? Did you not provoke me? It is the curse of kings to be attended by slaves that take their humours for a warrant to break within the bloody house of life, and on the winking of authority to understand a law to know the meaning of dangerous majesty, when perchance it frowns more upon humour than advised respect. Here is your hand and seal for what I did. 
oh when the last account twixt heaven and earth is to be made then shall this hand and seal witness against us to damnation how oft the sight of means to do ill deeds make deeds ill done hadst not thou been by a fellow by the hand of nature marked quoted and signed to do a deed of shame this murder had not come into my mind but taking note of thy abhorred aspect finding thee fit for bloody villainy apt liable to be employed in danger i faintly broke with thee of arthur's death and thou to be endeared to a king made it no conscience to destroy a prince my lord hadst thou but shook thy head or made a pause when i spake darkly what i purposed or turned an eye of doubt upon my face as bid me tell my tale in express words deep shame had struck me dumb made me break off and those thy fears might have wrought fears in me but thou didst understand me by my signs and didst in signs again parley with sin yea without stop didst thou let thy heart consent and consequently thy rude hand to act the deed which both our tongues held vile to name out of my sight and never see me more my nobles leave me and my state is braved even at my gates with ranks of foreign powers nay in the body of this fleshy land this kingdom this confine of blood and breath hostility and civil tumult reigns between my conscience and my cousin's death arm you against your other enemies i'll make peace between your soul and you young arthur is alive this hand of mine is yet a maiden and an innocent hand not painted with the crimson spots of blood within this bosom never entered yet the dreadful motion of a murderous thought and you have slandered nature in my form which howsoever rude exteriorly is yet the cover of a fairer mind than to be butcher of an innocent child doth arthur live oh hasty to the peers throw this report on their incensed rage and make them tame to their obedience forgive the comment that my passion made upon thy feature for my rage was blind and foul imaginary eyes of blood presented thee more hideous than thou art o answer not but to my closet bring the angry lords with all expedient haste i conjure thee but slowly run more fast exeunt scene three before the castle enter arthur on the walls the wall is high and yet will i leap down good ground be pitiful and hurt me not there's few or none do know me if they did this shipboy's semblance hath disguised me quite i am afraid and yet i'll venture it if i get down and do not break my limbs i'll find a thousand shifts to get away as good to die and go as die and stay leaps down oh me my uncle's spirit is in these stones heaven take my soul and england keep my bones dies enter pembroke salisbury and bigot lords i will meet him at st edmundsbury it is our safety and we must embrace this gentle offer of the perilous time who bought that letter from the cardinal the count melun a noble lord of france his private with me of the dauphin's love is much more general than these lines import to-morrow morning let us meet him then or rather then set forward 
for it will be two long days' journey, lords, or ere we meet. Enter the bastard. Once more to-day well met, distempered lords, the king by me requests your present straight. The king hath dispossessed himself of us. We will not line his thin, bestained cloak with our pure honours, nor attend the foot that leaves the print of blood where'er it works. Return, and tell him so. We know the worst. Whate'er you think, good words, I think, were best. Our griefs, and not our manners, reason now. But there is little reason in your grief, therefore t'were reason you had manners now. Sir, sir, impatience hath his privilege. Tis true, to hurt his master, no man else. This is the prison. What is he lies here? Seeing Arthur. O death made proud with pure and princely beauty, the earth had not a hole to hide this deed. Murder, as hating what himself hath done, doth lay it open to urge on revenge. Or when he doomed this beauty to a grave, found it too precious princely for a grave. Sir Richard, what think you? Have you beheld, or have you read or heard? Or could you think, or do you almost think, although you see that you do see? Could thought, without this object, form such another? This is the very top, the height, the crest, or crest unto the crest, of murder's arms. This is the bloodiest shame, the wildest savagery, the vilest stroke, that ever wall-eyed wrath or staring rage presented to the tears of soft remorse. All murders past do stand excused in this, and this, so sole and so unmatchable, shall give a holiness, a purity, to the yet unbegotten sin of times, and prove a deadly bloodshed but a jest, exampled by this heinous spectacle. It is a damned and a bloody work, the graceless action of a heavy hand, if that it be the work of any hand. If that it be the work of any hand, we had a kind of light what would ensue. It is the shameful work of Hubert's hand, the practice and the purpose of the king, from whose obedience I forbid my soul, kneeling before this ruin of sweet life, and breathing to his breathless excellence the incense of a vow, a holy vow, never to taste the pleasures of the world, never to be infected with delight nor conversant with ease and idleness, till I have set a glory to this hand by giving it the worship of revenge. Our souls religiously confirm thy words. Enter Hubert. Lords, I am hot with haste in seeking you. Arthur doth live. The king has sent for you. Oh, he is old and blushes not at death. Avaunt, thou hateful villain, get thee gone. I am no villain. Must I rub the law? Drawing his sword. Your sword is bright, sir. Put it up again. Not till I sheath it in a murderous skin. Stand back, Lord Salisbury. Stand back, I say, by heaven. I think my sword's as sharp as yours. I would not have you, Lord, forget yourself, nor tempt the danger of my true defence, lest I, by marking of your rage, forget your worth your greatness and nobility. Out, Dunghill! Darest thou, brave nobleman? Not for my life, but yet I dare defend my innocent life against an emperor. Thou art a murderer. Do not prove me so, yet I am none. 
whose tongue soever speaks false not truly speaks who speaks not truly lies cut him to pieces keep the peace i say stand by or i shall gall you falcon bridge thou wert better gall the devil salisbury if thou but frown on me or stir thy foot or teach thy hasty spleen to do me shame i'll strike thee dead put up thy sword betime or i'll so maul you and your toasting iron that you shall think the devil is come from hell what wilt thou do renowned falconbridge second a villain and a murderer lord bigot i am none who killed this prince tis not an hour since i left him well i honoured him i loved him and will weep my date of life out for his sweet life's loss thrust not those cunning waters of his eyes for villainy is not without such room and he long traded in it makes it seem like rivers of remorse and innocency away with me all you whose souls abhor the uncleanly savours of a slaughter-house for i am stifled with this smell of sin away Tordbury, to the dolphin there there tell the king he may inquire us out exeunt words here's a good world knew you of this fair work beyond the infinite and boundless reach of mercy if thou didst this deed of death art thou damned hubert do but hear me sir i'll tell thee what thou art damned as black nay nothing is so black thou art more deep damned than prince lucifer there is not yet so ugly a fiend of hell as thou shalt be if thou didst kill this child upon my soul if thou didst but consent to this most cruel act do but despair and if thou wants to cord the smallest thread that ever spider twisted from her womb will serve to strangle thee a rush will be a beam to hang thee on or wouldst thou drown thyself put but a little water in a spoon and it shall be as all the ocean enough to stifle such a villain up i do suspect thee very grievously if i in act consent or sin of thought be guilty of the stealing that sweet breath which was embounded in this beauteous clay let hell want pains enough to torture me i left him well go bear him in thine arms i am amazed methinks and lose my way among the thorns and dangers of this world how easy dost thou take all england up from forth this morsel of dead royalty the life the right and truth of all this realm is fled to heaven and england now is left to tug and scamble and to part by the teeth the unowed interest of proud swelling state now for the bare-picked bone of majesty doth dogged war bristle his angry crest and snarleth in the gentle eyes of peace now powers from home and discontents at home meet in one line and vast confusion waits as doth a raven on a sick fallen beast the imminent decay of rested pomp now happy he whose cloak and cincture can hold out this tempest bear away that child and follow me with speed i'll to the king a thousand businesses are brief in hand and heaven itself doth frown upon the land. Exeunt. End of Act Four.